Welcome to episode number 46, The Seven Spiritual Rules of the Rocky Mental Illness Road. Now, if you've listened to very many of the previous podcasts, you are going to likely recognize much of this episode, at least in its substance. I have discussed the spiritual concerns of mental illness on a regular basis and their difficulties. However, I have yet to really entirely narrow my focus just on the spiritual matters. I've discussed at length what happens when you ignore physical matters and matters of the body and how interconnected the physical is to the spiritual. However, managing physical and mental aspects of the illness is really but a physical means to a spiritual end. The ultimate goal of life and management of mental illness is salvation and exaltation, and that can only be achieved by spiritual development. Today, my intent is to focus on my seven personal rules I use to maintain a spiritual focus in my life. Even when the illness seems to be determined to destroy every spark and ember my personal testimony and revelation can produce. So here we go. Rule number one, read scriptures daily. And I have in the morning in parentheses. The time of day may not make that much difference. Now, why do I place this particular rule first? Besides prayer, which I do in conjunction with my reading, studying is a very personal method of saying to the Lord that I'm going to be obedient even if, because of physical or mental concerns, I may not gain much from the experience, at least in the sense of learning. It is my personal promise to the Lord to remember him, even if my body is not always a willing participant. Now, there are going to be days when the darkness has crept into the soul, and it just isn't anybody's fault but chemistry in life. Now, early on, when this rule became a part of my life, I felt as though reading scriptures during an episode of mental illness felt really counterproductive. I knew from listening to talks and other church peers that reading scriptures should really bring spirit and understanding into one's life. And initially, when I started this rule, I hoped that studying the scriptures would provide that lift I needed and perhaps some healing. I really wanted it to be that spark that put me on track with life. If I could read every day with purpose, my illness would go away. wouldn't be a problem. Now, of course, my efforts didn't exactly turn out that way. There were many times when I didn't even remember what I had read and my symptoms didn't change. I suppose in retrospect, I may have hoped that my efforts were going to provide some type of miracle. I could use reading scriptures like Tylenol or an antidepressant. I realized fairly quickly that studying didn't provide that kind of relief, but I did learn that there are very few daily things I can do during an episode to tell the Lord that I love him and that I need his help, even if the effort itself didn't provide any relief. Surprisingly, I was learning far more than I realized, and it was a way that the Lord actually could communicate once in a while with me when it was difficult to hear that small, still small voice. I found that while studying, and sometimes just reading, didn't act like a medication in the sense that my symptoms improved, the Lord did, for the most part, provide added strength and help that I needed. I'm going to admit that I didn't that I didn't see it that I can see it much better looking back than I did at the moment because I really could not see it at the moment. But this rule has been over my life really a critical lifeline to the spiritual even when I couldn't see the value. Rule number 2. Go to church, attend your meetings. Meetings are tough for me and they have been since I was a teenager. I have not always had spiritually uplifting experiences due to the depression side of the illness. And I also struggle with social anxieties that coincide with 
an early emergence of my bipolar, meaning I have some negative associations with church meetings. This is common among individuals who suffer with mental illness. This doesn't mean that I don't have many wonderful experiences as well, but somewhere deep in my emotional memory, I have some negative associations that to this day still cause me anxiety. While my depression is far more mild than it used to be and more manageable, I still have to work at attendance and my social development. So I do place this rule high on my list. One of the major factors in my decision is that church attendance for me is a bellwether sign. It is one of the canary in the coal mine indicators of my dedication to the Lord. If I am not attending and choosing not to attend, I know that for me, I'm probably likely to fall away fairly quickly. I also know that going back after any significant time away is going to be far more difficult, and my anxieties are not going to improve with time. When things were very difficult for me, sacrament meeting was the one critical meeting that I did my best not to miss. I found there was great power in the sacrament, and the same was true about my temple attendance, where I attended the temple weekly when I could. There is a promise contained in the Doctrine and Covenants in section 84, verse 33, upon which I regularly rely regularly in my life. It states the following, For whoso is faithful unto obtaining these two priesthoods, which, of which I have spoken, and the magnifying of their calling are sanctified by the Spirit unto the renewing of their bodies. Now, I know that this verse sounds like it's just talking about being ordained to the priesthood and magnifying one's calling, and it really pertains to only those holding the priesthood. The reality is, is that you can replace the word the two words, two priesthoods, with covenants, and the promise is actually extended to everyone. If you are willing to partake of the covenants and magnify your calling, then the promise is that you are going to be renewed in your body and spirit. I rely on that promise, and I have seen it fulfilled over and over again. So I attend to my meetings so that I can call upon the Lord for this particular promise blessing. Rule number three, I remember them no more. This rule is to remind me on a regular basis to leave the past in the past. Reliving sins and failures as part of the negative and destructive thought patterns of mental illness is just plain difficult to stop. I have a very good memory for bad moments. I doubt that I'm alone in my difficulties. I seem to be able to relive them in a moment along with all the emotional baggage that comes with them. I know that there is no value in reliving these moments. Yet with depression and anxiety, those moments come out even without trying. It feels somewhat like a bad movie that you see and feel everywhere you go. And this rule, for me at times, is really tough to feel. I know what it wants, and I know what I want from it, but the movie still plays right in front of you. So my true intent with this rule is do the best I can every day to leave the past in the past. I try to use the Lord's words regarding sin that he remembers them no more for a purpose. If the Lord, whose right it is to judge, is willing to forget my sins and failures, then I should do the same as best I can. Can't say that I've mastered this rule yet, but I have improved significantly over time. The Lord truly desires to forget sin and failure and move forward. He knows that the secret to successful mastery of anything requires practice, correction and learning, and then a short memory for failure. Now, I know that some of you listening would like to understand exactly how I accomplished that with this rule. 
The answer for me has been more simple than you might probably expect. I associate the memories with the illness and not myself. I say, if not for the illness, it would not have happened. Therefore, it really probably wasn't me, and I move on. Now, I do this to disassociate those negative feelings with who I really am inside and without the illness. Now, this may not be the perfect method or even appropriate from a psychological perspective, but it has helped me a great deal. I can honestly say I'm not my illness. Rule number four, find the spirit. Seeking the confirming voice of the Lord while suffering mental illness has been for me a lifelong journey. I believe that to be true for most people. For me, it was not that I didn't hear the still small voice or voices in general. It was hearing the right one. I wanted to be sure that I was hearing the Lord and not my own inner desires or worse yet, the emotional chemistry raging across my body. Over time, I have learned a few things about how the Lord chooses to speak to me because of the symptoms and effects of the emotional chemistry. Now, because I previously suffered with bipolar disorder and I suffer with mild depression, I had two opposing but different problems with hearing the spirit. Now, while suffering depression, nothing is going to feel right. And while suffering the effects of mania, everything feels right. The first thing that I didn't understand initially, but I do now, is that because the Lord understood my difficulties, he knew that I was going to have a multitude of emotional voices and feelings that would play upon my mind and heart. He also knew that once I did get the confirmation that I was looking for, that Lucifer would be quick to cast doubt upon anything I thought to be correct. Now, the Lord is merciful and very understanding. So the first thing that I noticed is that the Lord often brought answers to my mind, what I will say is out of the blue, meaning that if I had a question, the Lord didn't often answer it when I was thinking about the question. If I was thinking about the answer, I had a tendency to think that was my own voice. And so the Lord would wait until I wasn't concentrating on the problem or the answer. He would also, on a regular basis, use several sources to repeat the message to me. If I kept my spiritual eyes open, the answer would come again from another outside source and again. This could be a phrase from a talk, a few words during my scripture reading, a friend mentioning it without prompting, hearing it during a Sunday school lesson, and the list goes on. Each time the answer would come with a reminder of the confirmation. Yes, the doubts still came as I fought with the various emotional interferences and voices, and I still struggled on a regular basis. But when I began to notice how the Lord was speaking, it became easier to follow the voice. Now, in addition to those moments, I was blessed with a wonderful woman of faith as my companion with whom I could discuss and confirm promptings and feelings. I realize that not everyone has that type of relationship with a companion or a close relationship with a family member or parent. But if you do, this can be a great source of help. I also had to realize that once the Lord had provided what I needed, he expected me to act without a tailwind pushing me along. I had to learn that the Lord wants us to use our agency without his hand on our back pushing us along. And that was also difficult for me to understand and learn. I wanted the confirmation up to, through, and after the event or action that I was to accomplish. But the Lord wanted me to use my agency to push through the doubts and complete the assignment. Now, I can't say that I've been perfect. Once in a while, the illness has won. The one comforting doctrine that I hang on to is that the Lord is omniscient. Elder Maxwell added these words, 
from the Prophet Joseph Smith in a church educational system fireside in 2000. He said this, In the comforting words of the Prophet Joseph Smith, God has, from the foundation of the world, made ample provision to bring all of his purposes to pass, even though at times we, we may be puzzled and perplexed. And that's the end of the quote. So I move forward with the knowledge that the Lord won't let me go too far, too far without correcting my path. Rule number five, learn to say no. We live in, we live in a just say yes type of religious environment. So much so that saying no almost to any assignment or opportunity is akin to a sin for most members. When we are asked to serve, it is our true desire. When we are asked to serve, it is true our desire should be to say yes. And we should always be willing to serve. As members of the church, church, we do a great job of peer pressure without saying anything. Sometimes when the illness has depleted bodies and we really can't teach gospel doctrine or primary or move the newest members into the ward, then we need to say, I can't today. Learning to say no at appropriate times is actually one of the most difficult things to learn as a member of the church. For me, learning to say no is also learning to use a qualified yes. Now, what is a qualified yes? Well, when most of us, most of us, when we commit to a project, an assignment, anything, uh, a request from a friend, we do so without conditions, meaning that we are making ourselves available to do anything necessary and generally without a time limit. Now, a qualified yes simply provides for some conditions. For instance, if I'm asked to serve in a calling, I'm always willing to say yes. But if I know that the calling is likely to provide some moments where my illness might not allow me to serve and get in the way, then I tell the bishop, stake president, elders, current president, relief society president, whomever it is, that I have some limitations brought about by my illness. Now, I don't use these moments to get out of any service, but to better balance my life with my responsibilities and my illness. It does me no good to overextend myself and add to my personal difficulties. I have found that in almost every case, my leaders have been more than willing to support me with the illness and allow me to serve. Now, as a bishop, I always appreciated understanding those limiting factors in someone's life. And I don't remember a time that I ever rescinded a calling due to a life issue. So no doesn't always mean no. It might be more about a qualified yes. Rule number six, quantity, not quality. Do more, be more, serve more, love more. I have to remind myself on a regular basis that the Lord is far more interested in the quality of my service than the quantity of my service. Now, what do I mean by that? I know that I am limited by my illness in various ways. It is frustrating when the spirit is willing, but the body is weak and unable. I feel and have felt at times that my limitations stifle my abilities to participate in service, teaching, and other spiritual development activities. I want to go and do, but my body has not always allowed for it. Not only is this terribly frustrating every time I've had to say no, I felt guilty. So at times, when I knew better, I have said yes to avoid the guilt, and then offered, and then often, I have suffered the consequences later. It has taken many years for the Lord to teach me to balance my service and to understand that quality matters far more than the quantity. I've had to learn to prioritize my life so that the important matters get done first and that I get the most benefit from what I really can do. Now, if you relate this rule to the scriptures, it's like studying a chapter rather than reading five chapters. So I've learned to do what I can. 
and to, and then to make what I can do meaningful. Now, this rule also cons- coincides with my rule number five, learning when to say yes and when to say no. And making what I can do meaningful has actually proven to be invaluable to my spiritual development. Rule number seven, the last rule, understand the trial. I have regularly throughout my life focused far more on the negative aspects of my trials than the benefits or what the Lord might be trying to teach me. I am not saying that I am in this life going to fully understand what the Lord is attempting to accomplish in me, but to the extent that I can understand my trials in my life, I try and I ask. This for me is more of an attitude rather than a rule of law. If I'm focused on understanding, I murmur and complain less. I listen more and find myself far less frustrated at the many limitations of my body and mind. Working on understanding, I approach my life and my discussions actually with the Lord very differently. Oh, I do still have difficult moments where the complaints outnumber the understanding, but I found over time that I'm happier, more content with my life, and maintain a better relationship with the Lord when I am trying to understand the trial. And when things get tough, I might end up more in survival mode rather than understanding mode. And I sometimes expect that. But what I want to develop with this rule is spiritual patience and determination. I know that my weaknesses and illnesses have been given by the Lord. And I want to continue to develop that lasting faith that I discussed in the last episode. I'm sorry, in episode 44. Lasting or determined faith is that higher faith. It's that faith that does not see trials as obstacles. It's a faith that doesn't falter when the Lord says no or when, or even when he says, look, your trial is going to last longer and it's going to get more difficult. It's an independent faith that's not dependent upon signs, rewards, or the proverbial carrot on a stick. Can't say that I fully developed this faith, but this rule is my attempt to bring it forward in my life. Well, those are my seven rules for the spiritual world of mental illness. My rules have developed as I have, and they have changed over time to suit my spiritual needs. I would expect that two people suffering mental illness would have, would have, would not have all the same rules, but I would also to expect them to develop their own rules of the road based on doctrines of the church, where they are in their progression towards exaltation. My final note about spiritual rules is that I develop and change them based on my prayers and personal revelation. Now, beyond the support of a, a lo- of loving wife and parents, these rules are my lifeline to the spirituality I need to survive. I still don't understand perfectly why the Lord has chosen my trials to be what they are, and for now, I'm not sure that I need to know. But I do know that he provides support to those who do their part. And may the Lord bless you to be able to do your part so he can do his.